The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. This is The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you with thanks to TierlawnFarmLife.com. You're very welcome to The Farm Show. On the programme this evening, we'll be looking forward to a big dairy conference happening in Kilkenny next week. Elsewhere, we'll talk mental health issues with Norma Rowan of Embrace Farm. Uh, We're going to have a livestock report with uh, George. And, uh, of course, we'll hear sheep reports from uh, Tullow and Elsewhere, I got an opportunity during uh, last week, uh, last Friday indeed, to chat to a number of people down at the ICMSA AGM, including Dennis Drennan from Kilkenny and indeed uh, Eamon Ryan, who was one of the uh, main speakers at that AGM. But first of all, tonight I'm uh, uh, playing an interviews I did with Jackie Cal, TD and Minister uh, Charlie McConnell around uh, the ongoing Dennis, uh, Dan Brennan, I should say, saga. Jackie Cal, uh, I have to say you're, you're due praise for still beating the drum on behalf of Dan Brennan, that uh, huge event all those years ago still impacting. And uh, I saw your doll statement and uh, interaction with the Minister yourself and John McGuinness and uh, Michael Fitzmaurice and Matt Carty. Where are you going from here? Well, I suppose to the Count Cora after that evening in the doll, and it's our intention to have it back in before Christmas in the doll again to the Minister. The Minister told us he was going to go away and think about the, what we said on the night. And Minister there was no new evidence there to prompt an inquiry, new inquiry. But in my view, there's loads of evidence there to have an inquiry. And Dan Brennan deserves answers. I listed out seven or eight questions that evening. Simple questions I would, you know, and that need answers. You know, take the, the cattle trial that was done. You know, how could cattle that were taken out of the farm thrive when they were taken out and cattle were brought in not thrive? You know, why did his milk yield double again when the factory closed? Why did the cattle weights double when the factory closed? You know, why did the vegetation recover on the farm when the factory closed these questions have to be answered and like the lapse of time yeah look just you know we're going on i suppose getting near 20 years since this factory was in operation but we see a lot of inquiries now that have you know see this time differential in it so i don't think the time differential should deny frank uh, should deny dan brennan justice and look we've been asked in the agricultural committee we were uh, we tended to do an inquiry in the agricultural committee after the hearing with, with, with dan and, and other the late party welch was there that evening matt dempsey um, and various Fates were with Dan Brennan that evening. I was told by the legal advice in the in, in the Dáil by the QPLA that we hadn't the remit um, to investigate it. So we're looking for another avenue. And thankfully, the Count Cora allowed us to um, bring it into the chamber and the Dáil chamber. And as I said, we intend to bring it back before Christmas. And hopefully, the minister will give the inquiry that Dan Brennan deserves. Minister, I, I, I listened to your interaction with the four TDs on the Dan Brennan, the long-standing Dan Brennan issue in, in North Kilkenny. Having reflected on what the four TDs had to say, do you anticipate that there should be a, a, a reopening of the issue and, and a, a, a re-look at the testimonies that were given at the time? Look, as I said in the, in the doll to the, to, the, to the four deputies, the, the case goes back more than 15 years at this stage and there was a number of investigations done at different times and they you know, and they were very comprehensive. But listen, it's, it's, it's very uh, unusual. Uh, 
that you'd have people come across across party to actually you know seek for an issue to be looked at and I'd commit to them that I'd look look at the file again and assess it but but what, what I did say in the doll is this there was a number of different investigations and assessments undertaken from a different uh, from different approaches and, and, and directions at the time um, and in the few years after that and and you know uh, coming out of that um, they, they, they didn't find any um, anything those different investigations anything different in terms of the records that are available but I, I certainly have said that I'll be looking at the file further on the national issue there's a, a visit from the European Commissioner next week around the nitrates reduction a lot of farmers hoping that there might at least be a a delayed timescale in its implementation. First of January seems, you know, very, very uh, sudden and an awful lot of pregnant cows may have to be disposed of, which wouldn't be good for welfare or uh, anything like that. Do you see that as a concession that would be valuable and could be and could be brought in? Well, any, any flexibility like that, Matt, would be very helpful um, because there's no doubt that this is an MD that's between 220 and 250. This is a significant adjustment for them. And I've been engaging throughout with the European Commission to try and get any flexibilities that might be available to us. Um, initially, and back in, 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 in August, I made a submission to the Commission seeking to actually delay the drop from 250 to 220 to give more time for the measures, the significant measures farmers are taking to show results. The Commission were clear that they can't change the derogation, but they would work with us in relation to any flexibilities that are there within the, the implementing decision that have been taken and provided for by other member states. Subsequent to that then, throughout September, I asked my team to engage with the Department of the Commission's team around flexibilities around the map, for example, and there were some flexibilities there, but we haven't received any for any other flexibilities outside of that. But we continue to engage, and anything, particularly time, would be helpful in this regard. But throughout this process, I have sought to be clear and honest with farmers in relation to the, the, the challenge and the, the, the situation facing us next year, and to work to give farmers clarity as early as possible and as soon as I have had it in relation to enable them to prepare. And that's what I've done throughout. But we continue, notwithstanding that, we continue to engage to see if there's anything, any further flexibility that we could get which would be helpful. A six-month lead-in, for instance, would be a practical proposition, would it? Oh, I mean, that would be very helpful. Um, but um, we you know the Commission have been clear that that has not been possible up to now, but we continue to engage and any 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 time that we can get would be would be of help. No 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 to, no doubt about it. Yeah, those were Minister McConnell's uh, words and uh, ahead of that conference and that uh, discussion that was had with the uh, European Environment Minister in Dublin today. But unfortunately, out the outcome uh, looks pretty certain now. It's to go ahead without any delay from the first of January. So the derogation dropping from two fifty to two hundred. Pat Moylan of Chagas joins me in studio. Pat, uh, I know we want to highlight the dairy conference happening next week, but. Uh, that um, hoped for a staggered delay or introduction of the reduced uh, nitrates um, not going to happen now. It doesn't look like it, Matt. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, as you said there, all these things will be debated next week at the dairy conference. Look, I suppose I would look at it a few ways. Every farm situation is different. It isn't necessarily a reduction in cow numbers for everyone that's listening here tonight. There may be other livestock on the farm. And I suppose the big question that we'll be addressing in one of the workshops next week is it reduce stock numbers or should people go out and take extra land? And I suppose I have to say too, from my analysis dealing with my own clients in North West Kenny, we talk about nitrate stocking rate, but do we talk enough about farm stocking rate and Midland Pat farm stocking rate? Look, uh, <coughs> the last uh, dairy conference was held in 2015 in Kilkenny, which believe in the Lyrat and my Tipperary colleague reminds us that's the last year that Kenny won All-Ireland too so maybe that's a good sign for next year for Derek Ling and the lads but look 
Ten year, eight years ago, we had the end of milk quotas. We know things have moved along since then. Milk production has increased phenomenally. But I would say, you know, on analysis, some farmers out there have pushed their stocking rates too high. Their physical stocking rates. I mean, milking platform and whole farm. And the third one we talked about maybe in latter months is about nitrates, but they're all interlinked. So I, when I'm talking to my clients, I suppose, about the stock rate issues and the nitrates and the possible reductions to 20, first of all, it's not affecting all farmers in Kilkenny and Carlow area. Uh, I would say, looking across my farmers, maybe there will be 20% of farmers in that bracket. And uh, I suppose the question is, they need to look at their whole farm stocking rate and milking platform stocking rate because the costs of replacing graze grass that doesn't grow for you have risen exponentially. You know, uh, I do profit monitor each year and <coughs> the variable cost of keeping a cow now is around €1,200 Euro per cow per year. Not so long ago, that was the total production cost for keeping a cow for a year, fixed and variable. So we have to be conscious that things have moved on. Costs increase a lot in the last couple of years and haven't come back as much as we'd like so I think there's a lot of decisions and things people need to think about as well as focus obviously on the nitrates which is focusing all attention at the moment but what's the situation on farm? Is the farm stock rate so high that we are always looking for extra fodder somewhere we have to buy every blade of grass that comes up for rent in the parish meal feeding we know to dairy animals has increased probably three four hundred kilos over the last five years so look maybe it's time to take stock and these matters will be all discussed in the dairy conference next wednesday at the lyrat yeah which brings us uh, straight into that subject because i know it and i'm skipping down uh, the agenda a bit now but one of the workshops in the afternoon back back to basics on grazing tactics and to a great extent it, it, it is a time for dairy farmers to be getting back to basics to, to to become more and more dependent on their most advantageous resource which is grazed grass obviously matt and obviously this back end was a huge challenge for farmers there is some bit of catch-up going on at the moment but i think we have to be conscious that we protect our closing covers so we talk about having a on the first of december which is not too far away having an actual farm cover maybe 700 average farm cover because if we, the temptation, of course, now, as a lot of fodder has been eaten, as you know, in the last month, to maybe if the weather does take up, that we leave cows out into the middle of December. And that will be a huge cost to bore next spring at a time when graze grass and the cow's eyes will be vital. So, look, some people have done a bit of catching up, and other people on heavy land, there's a lot of grass out there to be looked after early next spring. So that workshop, which will actually include a local farmer here, Joe Murphy from Venice Bridge, out in Bohargadi there, will be one of the six uh, interactive sessions in the afternoon and farmers will have choice of six workshops and they will pick three. So there's plenty of choice next week. Um, the other workshops, if we can just mention them briefly, the next one is about achieving 100,000 cell count in the first 100 days of lactation. Nitrogen, of course, key driver in the whole situation. We talk about stock rates for 2024. Stock rate decisions for future systems, which involves Michael Donovan, Donald Patton and myself where I'll actually be going through a case study for one of my clients in the Northwest Kilkenny area to, to look at does he reduce stocking rate or should he go and take extra land and what are the financial and physical implications of all that and the two last workshops milking 10 times a week 10 and 7 as a way of reducing labour I have a small number of clients who have touched their, their toes in the water this year and then the final one there is slurry storage and handling and I suppose all about water soil water management so there's plenty of choice there in those interactive sessions and people can book those when they're, when they're booking their place for the conference next Wednesday in the Lyrat. They need to book in online and they will be presented with those six choices. So I think there'll be plenty of live to the debate. 
and I suppose obviously the 220 decision that's there will be a keystone of it but I will still say farm stock rate I would see has crept up on a lot of farms unknown to us and put a lot of pressure on the grazing block and the question then is is the grazing block growing enough grass to match the stocking rate so there's a lot of implications physical and financial to be arrived at rather than focusing totally on this 220 yeah and it's 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 profitability not uh, not the vanity of, of output that counts ultimately pat i noticed there's a big emphasis naturally on uh, labor challenges on dairy farms whether it's full-time labor part-time seasonal labor it all needs to be managed well and to and to, and to best utility yeah, absolutely. So they're, all, they're all correlated. So as stock rate increases, that means there's more livestock units per labour unit. So in the morning session next Wednesday, we have papers there from um, two local farmers, or local farmers of my own, Brendan Joyce from Orlingford there, going to talk with labour management on his farm, and then John Whelan from Wexford. And then we have Moore Park staff, uh, Marion Beecher, who's well known in the labour world, delivering a paper on a study that she has done on 55 dairy farms. So, look, everything is interlinked, whether it be stocking rate, nitrates, slurry storage, soil water. So that will be a very interesting session in the morning time with two farmers who will present what they're doing in the farm. And I suppose, look, we'd like to think that this is a farmer-focused conference. And we'll urge, I suppose, people in surrounding counties to book in and come next Wednesday and use the day very well. Uh, it's, it's a charge of €60 Euro for clients, including a very good dinner in the Lyrat, I'm sure, and a chance to meet with your peers and get away from the farm and maybe take a day out, because I know later in this programme you're talking a bit about maybe about stress, and maybe this will be a day out away from the farm to rub shoulders with your peers and see that maybe you're not the only person in the same situation, and hopefully come home with a few nuggets of information and solutions for 2024. I never went to any of these yet, but I came home with something something useful that, gosh, if we did that, maybe that'd be an easier outcome. I I don't want to anticipate further stress or further labour requirements on dairy farms, but there is every likelihood that there's going to be a raising of the age at which calves can be um, moved off farm next spring. There's another meeting coming up before Christmas uh, to finalise whatever changes are made and even allowing for compromise. Ultimately, that may uh, result in not only more work, more um, labour input, uh, feeding calves, but also um, stress on, on, on the physical resources on the sheds. Absolutely, Matt. I suppose I would remark in the last six months across my own client base, the greater number of people who are inquiring about calf houses and calf house building, and also under the current terms, people are applying for grant aid for you know for robotic or computerised calf feeders. So that is, I suppose, the cow numbers came, the stock rate went up, the million power units were added on. Now the slurry storage, and I suppose maybe the calf housing was the, the, with respect to hind teeth. And as you said there rightly, uh, if people are will be required to keep calves that bit longer on farm, maybe four or five weeks, and I don't know what that final figure is, but either way, cow housing has become the poor relation, I suppose, a lot of dairy farms. But I find in the last six months a lot of queries about building calf houses, people applying for a planning commission, and a big surge in interest in automatic calf feeders, which are greatly can play a role in reducing labour on, on calf-rearing farms. And I know that Brendan Joyce in particular, we'll talk about that next week in his presentation next Wednesday. So, look, again... Everyone has to look at their own situation. I suppose up to now, people will look at stock rate on the farm, and uh, for a lot of farmers out there, they would not have been keeping cows longer than two, three weeks because they, they don't have the manpower. I suppose they're looking at their farm stocking rates. So I think the whole thing is up for debate now in the mix and see what is the most applicable mix for your farm. 
But I would find too that maybe people, some people are worrying about this and maybe this thing actually doesn't worry them at all. But I still will go back to the point I made at the start. What is the whole farm stocking rate? What is the milking platform stocking rate? Are they at sustainable levels to match the growth, grass growth on your farm? Because that's the kernel. And obviously as stock rate increases, the amount of stress and labour demands per life so for labour units dramatically increase as well. So what is the happy medium? And you're going to hear those stories from Brendan Joyce and John Whelan next Wednesday morning. And now is the time to plan, I assume, your labour requirements and your stocking rates, not in the middle of next March when the excrement hits the fan. Well, absolutely. I and mean, people could argue maybe it's too late already because obviously there's only six weeks left in, in the year and there's only so many stock you can sell if, if you're forced to, at, at destocking. Um, but obviously, yes, I've, I would find too that a lot of my time in the October-November period with clients is on planning and future planning. And really, we know that once cows start calving the third week of January, the focus goes elsewhere and rightly so so this is a very important time for a reflection on the year gone and a bigger think about what's going to happen in 2024 now could I suggest there's a captive audience uh, in the Carlow Kilkenny all the hinterlands around here that you can get a bit of work done early in the morning get get things wrapped up and, and head to the Lairath I know they'll be coming from as far as Cork and Kerry but this is an opportunity for local farmers uh, to attend a local national conference Absolutely Matt and it's eight years since it's on our doorstep before and the last time around it was actually a two day conference whereas this is farmer focus it's one day only starting at I think registration is from Corpus 9 at the front lobby and the talks start at half nine quarter ten and our key speaker keynote speaker to start is the aforementioned Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnell so he'll be there and then follow him there's uh, our own uh, specialist there our Dr Joe Patton from Chagas he will present some key f- trends in costs so the big thing I would see about this farm or this farm event this event next week in the Lyrat is stocking rate costs and labour they're the three, three key teams that people will get a lot of information on and I would encourage people to come out locally support the local farmers too my own Brendan Joyce there in North West Kilkenny and uh, it'll be a good day out for everyone and people won't be overtaxed it's not the conference of old with paper upon paper this is a farmer focused conference and the workshops in the afternoon are very much farmer focused and people will get good messages from them hopefully as it should be Pat Mylan of Chagas thanks very much for coming into studio this evening thank you The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com Suicide is an issue that affects so many families, so many communities right across the country and indeed across the world and uh, the farming community no less afflicted than any other sector of society and one of the big things is that it leaves so many questions uh, unanswered in its aftermath. I'm joined by Norma Rowan, co-founder of Embrace Farm, to tell me about an initiative by that organisation targeting uh, suicide. Norma, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Lash. This is a, a new initiative on your part because uh, Embrace, in its general sense, has supported people in the aftermath of farm accidents. And suicide is a, a, a different area, let's put it that way. But there's a webinar, an informative webinar uh, happening next week. As you say, yes, Embrace Farm for the past 10 years, we have been here primarily supporting farm families following uh, an accident uh, uh, and a fatal farm accident or survivors from farm accidents. Uh, and we've been doing that for the last 10 years. But over the last 18 months, we were in receipt of some funding from the Department of Agriculture to uh, European Innovation Project funding, which allowed us to expand our services. So Embrace Farm is now here to support farm families following any type of a sudden death in their farm family, as well as surviving a serious farm accident. 
So in that guise, then, sudden deaths um, that would encompass suicides as well as a sudden medical event or a car fatality or any circumstances, really. We are joining with another charity by the name of HUG, HUG Ireland. What they do is they provide uh, support groups for those who are bereaved by suicide. So Embrace Farm knows about the impact of a sudden death on a farm family. HUG knows about the impact of suicide on a family. So we're coming together to bring our bring our expertise together, to bring our support services together for the farming community. Next Tuesday evening, we are hosting a webinar. And that evening is really about providing some information around grief and people's reactions to grief and what is normal and maybe when to look for a little bit of extra help or or even to assure people that they're doing okay, they're managing and with a little bit of help and support um, from the likes of uh, Embrace Farm or Hug or any of the other great charities that are out there, you know, we just want to let them know the different types of services that we provide should they wish to avail of our services. So that is next Tuesday evening at half seven. How you how you find out about it is you go onto any of our website, uh, Facebook pages, Embrace Farm or Hug Ireland, and you'll see the link to register there. And if that it or you go on a website, get our contact details and ring us up or drop us an email and we will send you that link. And should be hugely beneficial, Norman, and, and particularly in the fact that the structure of the webinar includes personal stories, traumatic stories, but personal stories. Yeah, so uh, at the evening, the keynote speaker on the night is a psychotherapist herself uh, and she will speak around that piece of what's normal and, and what to expect when you're grieving. And I guess when some of us are faced with such a traumatic event in our lives, it can be the first time to experience those reactions and not realise, you know, that they are normal and, and that it is OK to, to have feelings like that. And then ourselves, we've been through traumatic incidents here on our own farm when when my husband's father was killed in our farm and with Hug as well, the founder of Hug, her, her daughter died by suicide at the age of 13. So, yeah, there is a wealth of knowledge of being there, being through it, understanding what you're going through and just bringing that connection for people and let them know that there is people out there to support them should they wish to avail of it. Even for those of us not personally impacted by suicide or by uh, fatal or, or serious accidents, we can find it very difficult at times as to what to say, what to do, how to help, how to support. Yeah, and we would find that too in a brace farm over the last 10 years. There, You know, I guess for the family themselves, there's such a myriad of things that happen afterwards on top of the emotional loss. The practical issues of running a business that they may not have been involved in before. So, and we find, you know, the extended outer layer of extended family, neighbours, friends are of a huge support to people. They come and they help, they milk the cows, they help to cut the crops, they help to keep things going while the immediate family are trying to find that strength to maybe take take control of things again from a practical business point of view. But you are right, there is that element of what do I say to somebody? What, what will I say that will console them? Or if I say this, will it make them more upset? But I guess the most important thing for people to remember is just to acknowledge the loss and just to let people know that you're there for them. And I suppose the best thing anyone could do is just offer a listening ear and their time. You know, you don't have to come up with the solutions to solve anything for grieving people. It's just by giving them a bit of time and sitting and having that cup of tea and just listening to the story and, and listening to what's being said doesn't mean you have to have the answers. Just give your time. Norma, is there is there much happening right across 
Mental Health Ireland will put it that way, and you know the the health services and the support services. Is there much being done in terms of avoiding suicide in in in, in prevention, if you like? Well, if I'm to talk specifically around within the farming community, if you were to ask me that question three years ago, I would have said. I don't see anybody in the industry talking about this or doing much about it. Three years ago, none of us even really knew what the impact or the scale of the problem was. All we had was kind of anecdotal stories that would happen in our community. But we've kind of come three years, four years on, and the conversations are happening in the industry. Just as last Monday, I was at a conference where there was 80, 90 different individuals within the farming sector and outside the farming sector in a room trying to discuss what uh, the mental health crisis that is in the farming community. And I guess what I gathered from that is there is a lot of work being done in trying to establish the data and the facts and the figures around this. Because if you don't know the scale of the problem, you can't fix something you don't know whether it's a big issue or not. So in fairness to Chagask, I see they are conducting research. They have another bit of work to do in that, to finalise, get exact numbers and things like that. But the work is being done. That wasn't being done three years ago. If I could credit anyone in it, I would have to say the appointment of Minister Hayden into a position with a portfolio within the government of having farmer health and safety and well-being at the crux of that portfolio. I think it has allowed for those conversations to happen. And it was great to see as I say I've been involved with Embrace Farm for 10 years and in the past year or two years it's the first I'm seeing conversations around mental health being taken seriously and being looked at and being investigated by the powers that be if we call them that. Well we're on the, the, the broader issue of farm accidents Norm I'm sure you welcome the increased regulation around quads uh, requiring helmets and so on now as an aside I might have thought that uh, roll bars might have been incorporated into it. I'm not sure of the practicalities of it, but I'm sure you welcome the, the, the improved safety regulations. Yeah, like like yourself, I wouldn't be too familiar with the practicalities of the, the health regulations around it as I would be a health and safety expert. But in saying that, I have sat with families over the past 10 years who have been devastated by accidents on their farms uh, and accidents by quad bikes where family members have been killed, children uh, and husbands and granddads mainly. And to sit with those farm families and see them being torn apart, being devastated, having to live with the consequences of those accidents. I'd welcome anything that might enable a farmer to get home to their family at the end of the day uh, in, in a safe manner. And I do appreciate that it does involve farmers taking time out of their day to go to these training courses and there is a cost involved. But when you see the other side of it, from my side of the fence, when I sit with families and see the devastation that they go through afterwards, I'd welcome anything that would bring farmers uh, safe, um, bring them home in the evening safe. Just remind our listeners again of the, the timing of that webinar next week. So it's next Tuesday evening, the 28th of November. It starts at 7.30. Embrace Farm and Hug Ireland will be jointly collaborating to run the webinar. You can get the details of it to register on our Facebook pages or on our websites. That's Embrace Farm or Hug Ireland. Just Google either of us and you'll find the link or you'll get our contact details where you can touch base with us. Norma Rowan, co-founder of Embrace Farm. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thanks, Matt. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. 
Now, as I promised, some further extracts from the Limerick event of the ICMSA. Here's Deputy President and Kilkenny man Dennis Drennan putting a few pertinent points to uh, Minister Eamon Ryan. It's very difficult and a huge frustration built up within farming as regards how the carbon, carbon and methane that comes from the carbon is being treated. If you take carbon and methane from carbon, what is the source of that carbon? It's the grass that she eats. And where does that carbon come from? It comes from sequestered carbon that's taken out of the atmosphere. So we're actually in a loop and a circle that there's a carbon cycle that goes on within grass to the cow, cow back into the atmosphere, back into the grass. So the net emission of carbon is tiny from a cow. On the other hand, then, if you take the carbon that's been poured as fossil fuels, it's still out of the ground that's been there for thousands of years, burnt and released into the atmosphere, and no one yet uh, to, to, to contract the amount that's been released. So it's very frustrating for farmers that even though the carbon that they're being criticised for is part of the cycle, and we get no recognition for the, grass, the carbon that's sequestered from the grass that we grow on our farms every day. As regards the opportunities then for farmers, and, and we constantly hear that there's opportunities for farming, but I mean, if you look at somebody with a farm, if you're able to re-wet part of their farm, there's no credit for, for that farm. It goes to land use, land use change and forestry. Similar with forestry, if you put it on your farm. If we put solar on our farm or on the roof of our sheds, that credit goes to the energy sector. If we put in an anaerobic digester at our own expense, that also goes to the energy sector. So anything we do wrong is put out against us. But all the things that we do right go to different sectors. And I think that's the frustration. Now, Minister Ryan uh, took a number of questions before he went on stage and I just distilled them and synopsized them and here's, a, here's an extract from what he had to say. I'm absolutely convinced the future we're going to is one where farmers are going to be the frontline heroes in the environmental change we need to make. They have the best knowledge about our land. They can see climate happening more than anyone else. And we need to pay them for what they can deliver for us. Good food, but also help us improve our water quality, help in the fight against flood protection, for flood protection, help us in restoring nature. And I think we can get a new generation, we have to get a new generation of people into farming and forestry to do this job we have of protecting the natural systems and in that also protecting farming, the future of farming. Can you see that farmers are rightly frustrated that they're no longer being encouraged to do what they do best? I can fully understand their frustration, particularly because a lot of the costs have gone up in fertilizer and, and, and the diesel and all the other inputs. Um, so we need to help the farming community. I don't see them changing the core business. Like we do want and need really good quality food coming from our farming sector. That's not going to change. And while we can make money from energy and from a whole range of other initiatives on our farmland, the core business is, is still the same. But what I see and what I hear is the likes of the farmers' cooperatives, the likes of Tierlaw, the likes of Kerry Group, the likes of Lakelands, the main kind of companies, cooperatives that work with the farming community, they realize that to get the best price for our farm produce, you have to be green. That that actually we're going, we're selling in 80% of the food is exported. And our customers in those markets, they will buy our products because we do have an advantage. We can do a form of farming here that's family farming, that is more sustainable, that's respectful of the natural systems we're working with. So I don't want that to change. I want the farmers to keep farming, but we have to do it in a way that is green because I think it's actually also going to be lower cost. We can reduce some of those fertilizer costs. You can have better outputs. Some of the moves we're pushing, the kind of the use of mixed ward grass systems, they're better farming. 
Um, so, so it's not change away from the core business. It's actually just doing it in a way that pays farmers better and gives them a more secure future. I want them to be family businesses. So I think that's actually the great strength in rural Ireland is that we do have family farmers who are enterprising. And as I said, they have the best knowledge of the land. They have the best knowledge of how we get this right. And, and I think one thing is absolutely people love this kind of division of rural land versus environment. Our environment versus rural land. I don't buy it. I don't think it's true. It's certainly not true from the environmental side, and I don't think it's true from the farming side or from rural Ireland. The EPA did a major survey, climate change in the Irish mind. They showed that the vast majority, 85% or so, of the Irish people want us to play our part, want to show us to show leadership. And it didn't change urban and rural, young or old. It's something we can all see. We want to protect the natural world for our next generation. So we're, we don't divide in this. We, we cannot divide in this. We need to work together to devise clever solutions that's good for farming and good for the environment. I think the basic premise that we have to improve our water quality, everyone agrees on. That's the first foundation of this reputation we need to restore and to protect of having a system, a farming system, and a natural the way we manage our land, that our waters are clean. That I think everyone agrees on that. That's not something that divides. And, and so, and I think I met Commissioner Sinkovich myself in the summer, and I think that's something that the Commission also rightly kind of demand and, and can say, you know, we need to make this shift to, to make sure that our water river systems are clean. It isn't all just farming. We need to do that in how we manage our sewage systems. We need to do that in how we manage forestry. We need to do that in, in a whole range of other different ways. But I don't see that changing. And I think. It ill serves farming if, if, if we think, oh, we're going to easily ignore that, because in the end, I think we can adapt and farm in a way that's good for our natural systems. In fact, I think we have an advantage. Like that designation that came from Europe during the week, recognising Ireland has a unique system, grass-fed. It's true. And we should build on that strength, build on that advantage. And we can do that in a way where we do manage our water systems, just again using the smart technology injecting the slurry rather than spraying it. People all know this, protected urea, all these technical advances that make it possible for us to make, to make the switch to protecting our water systems. That's farming skill, that's farming knowledge, that's farming expertise. So I see us working with nature in this way is going to be good for farming. We can't be targeting people. We won't make the leap if it's done on the, oh, you're the problem, you're the cause of all the trouble, you're the real culprit. This is something where we make a leap to a better way by changing the system to make it easier for us to do the right thing. And yeah, let's be very careful here because if people start saying, oh, you flew, I might be flying off next to, to the climate negotiations next week. We need to change the system and change the incentives and change the uh, ways of making it better to make this switch. It won't work if it's, a, if it's changed to a worse system. It has to be towards a better way of doing things. And it has to be not telling any individual farmer, you have to farm your land in exactly this way. It has to be creating the conditions where their expertise and their skills is recognised and rewarded for us to make this system change. So I think they're right. No targeting, no putting the point of the finger, no wagon or kind of demonising any one group in society, whatever group. Every place matters, every person matters. And the change we need to make is a change for the better. When you start thinking about it in that way, we get away from this divisive story, we move towards a positive story where the change happens in quicker. So you're right about the, the land use sectoral target being difficult, and we, um, I was open and honest about that, saying 
the difficulty, like even last year when we were doing sectoral emissions, we had to hold back from doing one on land use because what we found was the science around what our forestry was doing was very different to what had been previously thought. And that baseline of land use emissions keeps changing. So we will, subject to government approval, hasn't gone to government yet, we will treat land use in a slightly different way, recognising that the baseline keeps moving. And that's why we need to be flexible. That's why we need to engage with each other in an open and honest way in terms of uh, this is complicated, but we still need to get it right. Land use will play its part, every sector plays its part, but not treated any harder or any worse than anyone else. But we do need to treat land use emissions slightly differently because the science does keep changing. And we should admit that uncertainty and work with it and make sure that we work within the wider European Union, United Nations framework so that we can present ourselves as the green farming alternative for the world. That's the best future for Irish farming. Before the end of the year, we will publish the uh, Climate Action Plan, but it, it will be a year of engagement where there will be further opportunity to consider what exactly does it mean in, in a variety of sectors. It's not just agriculture is difficulty, transport sector is a real challenge. Energy sector is starting to turn, as is agriculture. Like agriculture emissions, the use of fertilizer in the last two years has dropped something like 10-14% each year. So change is happening. Like the level of organic farming is tripling. The access to acres is booming. So change is happening on the ground, in real. So we're not going against the tide of things here, we're going with it, in my mind. Oh, that was Minister Eamon Ryan and uh, was it Plamos? Uh, fine words, butter, no parsnips. Time will tell. It'll take more action than words uh, to placate farmers and to see the future of agriculture intact. Um, meanwhile, uh, there's a few diary items. Uh, the that dairy conference, of course, that Pat Mylan mentioned, uh, that's on next week. Uh, meanwhile, the Women in Dairy conference is on this coming Saturday in the Killashee and the IFA Kilkenny IFA have their dinner in the Armand Hotel on Saturday evening and they've put out a shout for people to uh, get their votes in for the next uh, president and deputy president of the organisation. Right, we'll head across to Tullow and hear what Eric has to say. Another decent sale here today in Tullow with just over 1,400 sheep on offer and looking to the trade, a good heavy steady trade again here, possibly the heavy lambs even a little bit improved on the last week here again by euro or two which is glad to report looking to some prices then those lambs over 48 colors today selling there from 150 up to top call of 162 today and they being 53 kilos making 162 while well, we would see the store trade here then forward store lambs very much in demand tops there then 43 to 44 45 kilos there selling in the region there from 137 and 8 up to 143 and 4 depending on flesh and type uh, with the store lighter stores then than 30 to the 33 and 4 kilos they selling anything there from the mid 80s up to 103 and 4 euro and a good lively trade also with the mid 30 kilos up to the early 40s they're selling there from 110 up to 130 115 116. so over cash joe trade no great change there for the cash joe trade here as you've seen for the last couple of weeks um, heavy yo's up to uh, 170 180 a kilo there with them store type yo's selling from 120 to 160 a kilo depending on age and flesh and just to remind everyone that this friday we have our weekly cattle sale our final weanling sale on saturday the final saturday weanling sale this saturday at 10 30 and a suckler sale here at one o'clock on saturday with over 40 head in offer and also a purebred arbrack herd dispersal sale and we are back next tuesday with a weekly sheep sale and a dairy sale on Wednesday. That's Wednesday, the 29th of October. We have our monthly dairy sale. Thank you. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com.
KCLR Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for over 60 years. Well, that's a, d- a great description. George Candler has just told me that today's uh, Mart proceedings were super. George? Uh, indeed, Matt. A yard of super cattle, which would be similar to a fat stock show and sale, and we didn't have one, but uh, a general sale. Beef bullocks in excess of 600 kilo uh, absolutely generated plenty of interest, uh, helped, of course, by the presence of Northern Ireland buyers and also other uh, factory agents. Uh, quality stock definitely in demand. Now, 600 kilo plus bullocks range from 210 to 328 per kilo that's 1400 euro to 2480 per head 5 to 600 kilo bullock from 190 to 315 per kilo 1000 euro to 1820 per head with 4 to 500 kilo from 180 to 320 per kilo 700 euro to 1550 per head with under 14 uh, 400 kilo a price range here from uh, 2 euro to 311 per kilo or from 650 to 1190 per head now of course the cull cow sale is on a Tuesday and that's turned out to be a terrific success. 215 cows on offer last Tuesday. It only took three hours to go through the whole lot uh, but the Frisians from 70 cent to 2 euro per kilo and uh, the uh, continental cull cows from 140 to 265 per kilo. Remember cull cow sales on a Tuesday uh, for the foreseeable future. Beef heifers from uh, 235 today to 295 per kilo. That's 1450 to 1750 per head. Uh, the uh, forest from 210 uh, to 290 per kilo or from 1080 to 1410 per head with a lighter type from 170 to 292 per kilo or from 680 to 1140 per head. Uh, Now on uh, Tuesday... Uh, we had our dairy, uh, as I said, weaning sale, a good solid trade there. But before that, on the Monday, we had our sheep sale. Butcher lands, a very good trade. 148 to 166 per head. Factory type from 130 to 149 per head. Store lambs, a very buoyant trade also. 85 to 123 euro per head for uh, ewe lambs. Cull use from 76 to 170 euro per head. We'd also a dairy sale, so it was a busy day. Uh, the fresh calf cows from not as quite as, as strongest the week before 1100 euro to 1600 euro per head in calf flats from 900 to 1400 per head with uh, light maiden heifers and they're only about 250 to maybe 320 uh, uh, kilo they range from 350 to 550 per head and next uh, Saturday we have a special sale of pedigree Angus and there's uh, that's in Kilkenny Mart on next Saturday that kicks off at 12 noon on Saturday uh, they're all heifers there there's maiden heifers there's cows with calves at foot there's in calf they're all pedigree Angus and um, uh, catalogues available at the office. Uh, don't forget your postal vote. You can now do a postal vote for the IFA. Uh, I said I mentioned that, and of course the dinner is on, as you ma- ma- mentioned earlier, uh, Matt, on Saturday. Monday, our general sheep sale at 10 a.m., but we've also a sh- sale of pedigree Suffolk uh, for the known fl- fl- flock, for the Barronstown flock, and a dispersal sale of the Mountford uh, Suffolk flock. So that's on Monday at 1 p.m. Tuesday, our wind and sale uh, that will kick off at 10.30. Cull cow sale at 11 a.m. And um, Thursday, our general cattle sale. So, all in all, busy times ahead, Matt. And by the way, if there's anyone with quality bedding straw, would you please get in touch, specifically around the South Kilkenny area. But if you have bedding straw, please give me a tinkle. Uh, if you ring the mark, they'll get me, you'll, they'll, you'll get my mobile number for them. 
and it'll be hectic next week and the following week we have the Lions Farm Auction yes indeed the Hamper Appeal is starting and we actually Matt or the, the programme yourself and Martin uh, are, are the ones that start the whole ball rolling in the in the Hamper Appeal uh, once again uh, the generosity of the agricultural people who I, I, I ring I think I, I think people cringe when they see my number coming up on the phone and uh, I, I, I'm begging I'm begging again but uh, in fairness to them they are absolutely superb bunch out there uh, and uh, on behalf of the Lions I want to thank everyone uh, who has supported and maybe you're an agribusiness listening to this now if you are an agribusiness listening to this and haven't been uh, annoyed before uh, and would like to t- uh, participate we'd be love to have you on board because um, uh, the more we have the merrier and the more money we can have to make Christmas a little better for the people less fortunate than ourselves Matt yeah, and yeah. the good news, going back to the beef, uh, the good news on the beef front is prices are rising now. They have a long way to go to match the UK or France, for that matter, but at least they're going in the right direction. Yeah, yes, uh, uh, that was noticeable. As I said today, I was amazed at the number of cattle, the quality cattle over 600 kilo. I'd say we had 250 cattle on offer uh, that were over 600 kilo and real top-notchers. So uh, it's good to see, and it's good to see that the ring is becoming an opposition, a little bit of opposition to the, to the factories themselves. So if you have beef out there, and feel like coming to the mart you'd be more than welcome uh, but um, I, I, as I said just give us a tinkle and uh, we can get uh, if you enter them of course we can get in touch with punters who are looking for that type of animal and have you uh, are you having a bit of respite from your travels around the country you've, <laughs> you've been on the go constantly George yes I was in Six Mile Bridge a lovely trip Six Mile Bridge last Friday that uh, was a Limonson sale went very well I had also a sale for the great Paul Sykes who was CEO or uh, to say secretary of the Irish Limits and Cattle Society he had a great sale in in, in Toome uh, well supported by a lot of people so all in all busy times and I was selling cavern horses in cavern but back to the future over to you Matt for the sign off thank you George <laughs> my thanks to Martin who produced and engineered for me Matt O'Keefe until next week's farm auction uh, farm well farm safely good night and goodbye The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com.